0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. God is very good, isn't he? Not many of you are convinced by that. (laughs) Yes, come on. God is really good. He's doing some great things. And if you're anything like me, you can be a little bit cynical at times and the Holy Spirit needs to get you, needs to wake you up. Because our God's here to meet with people and touch people and change people. If you have a Bible with you, please turn to 1 Timothy and chapter 4, it's my privilege to continue in the Timothy series, if you're visiting with us, just to let you know we're going through a, a series for uh, a letter written by a guy called Paul to a chap called Timothy at a place called Ephesus. Now Paul's writing to him to instruct him how to lead a church, what, what things need to be in place and what he needs to look out for, etc, etc. We've covered a lot of topics, so if... If you need to catch up in any way, please go to our website and punch in 1 Timothy and you'll come up with our series uh, and you can catch up to where we are. Let me pray and then we'll get into the text. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would speak to us clearly this morning. Lord, we don't want head knowledge, we want changed hearts. We want changed lives. We're not here to hear more stuff. We're here to encounter the truth. We're here to be changed by your truth. So I pray, would your truth go ringing out today? Would the word of God be a lamp to our feet, uh, good for our soul? And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do whatever you want to do this morning. We give you freedom in our lives for your glory. Amen. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. I'm going to read along on the screen behind me. This is what Paul writes. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith, and they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created. And he created them to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God, and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Brought up in the truths, brought up in the truths of the faith and of a good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do, Timothy, with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise both for the present life and for the life to come. And this is one of Paul's trustworthy sayings. This is like a little cherry on the top. This is a trustworthy saying, Timothy, and this deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labour and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God. Do you hear that? Who is the saviour of all men, do you catch that? And especially those who believe. Especially those who believe. Last week, I spoke about the church and how the church, how one of the church's functions is to guard God's truth. If you remember, we used the word buttress; it's to be the buttress around God's truth. Despite this, some will still abandon the truth and follow deceiving spirits. Now, God is not surprised by this. He knows exactly what will happen. In verse 1, we see Paul saying that the Spirit says, in other translations, the Spirit clearly says, that in later times, some will abandon the faith, and some will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Jesus himself, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, watch out, that no one deceives you. Jesus said it himself, watch out that no one deceives you. Elsewhere in Matthew's Gospel, he says, many false teachers will come and they will come today. Many false teachers will come and they will appear and they will look to deceive many people. Elsewhere in Acts, Paul writes, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. It's such graphic language, isn't it? I know as I leave, there will be savage wolves that come in among you. And they're not going to spare the flock. Even from, listen to this, even from your own number, men will arise and they will distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Be on your guard. Be on your guard from deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Verse 1, Paul is referring, he has the Holy Spirit and evil spirits in the same sentence, in the same verse. He's saying the Holy Spirit speaks and he confirms that, he speaks to us and warns us that there will be deceiving spirits. The late John Stott, a great Bible commentator, he says, Scripture portrays the devil not only as the tempter, who entices people to sin, but also as the deceiver, seducing people into error. Often he does both together. As when in the Garden of Eden he prevailed upon our first parents, Adam and Eve, to first doubt and then disobey God's word. No wonder Jesus calls him a liar and the father of lies. Behind all deceiving spirits and things taught by demons is a father of lies. He's the one who lies. The one who deceives. The one who tricks. The one who tempts. And he's looking to lead people. He's looking to lead us away from God. And this is how it works. We say, not me. Or we're tricked and deceived because we are deceived. Because it looks right. He's looking to draw us away from God. What is the false teaching or error that Paul's referring to here? Well, we see in verse 3, he says that marriage, some say that marriage is forbidden. They forbid marriage. They they order people to abstain from certain foods. They order it. This just screams of religion, legalism, the law. They've twisted it. You can do this, you can't do this. God will love you if you do this, but he won't if you do this. You must do this and you mustn't do that. Many of us struggle with the same spirit. What do I do? What must I do? What mustn't I do? What can I do? What can't I do? What can I eat? What can't I? It's subtle at times. Order people to eat certain foods. Forbid marriage. Verse 4 says, but everything God created is good and nothing's to be rejected. As long as it's done in thanksgiving and prayer. It is all good. Remember God created everything? And what did he say after he created it? It's good. It's good. Marriage is good. Our nation is rubbishing it little by little by little. It is good. It is God's created order right at the start of time he formed one woman one man to be united in one marriage before universities, before establishments before commerce, before law, he formed one man and one woman and brought them together marriage is very, very good, it reflects God to us food men, it's very good I saw the men sit up a little bit then but food is God's goodness to us. What are some of the godless myths? As I was studying this, I was thinking, what are the godless myths and what are those things taught by demons? Well, these are just some musings, okay? Paul could have been referring to old Jewish tradition. He could have been referring to Jewish myths and in Titus 1.14 he says, talks about Jewish myths. We're not too sure... Here, because he doesn't specifically say right here, so it's probably referring to anything that's elevating itself above God. Anything that is looking to compromise the Gospel, compromise the true essence of the Gospel. Anything that's getting in the way of grace and faith in Christ alone. Anything you do to put you in front of God. Anything done by works... I think Paul would say, is godless myth. Godless tush. False teaching as a whole, he deems, I think, as godless myth and old wives' tales. And there'll be probably gradients or variations to that. What would it look like today? I wanted to ground this in today. What are the godless myths and old wives' tales of our day? I've only been a Christian since I was 25, and I used to follow all sorts of old wives' tales. All sorts, because that's kind of what happens. Your your mum tells you stuff. Your family tells you stuff. Your brother tells you crazy things. And before you know it, you're like, "Is that is that? I don't know if that's true. Is there goblins? I don't know." (laughs) What are there today? Here's a mixture: horoscopes, horoscopes, fortune telling, fortune cookies, that kind of thing, tarot cards godless silliness godless myth I used to follow my stars my lucky stars when I uh, before I was a Christian before I encountered Jesus I would look in the sun, newspaper a very informative tabloid <laughs> and I would go down in the index and look at yeah I'm a Taurus so oh, it's telling me that I will have some luck today Whoa it's lucky isn't it that's the kind of thing that starts generating people build their lives on it oh no 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 I can't get with an Aquarius I'm a Leo it's godless myth, it's old wives tale new age spiritualism crystal healing fate fate will be karma what goes around comes around, you heard that? And I think even in the church we have that spirit and we've got to guard against it. Well, what goes around comes around. Let's just see. We'll be will be. Chance, luck, coincidence. I heard one guy, William Temple, uh, respond to his critics that said, prayer is no more than co- answered coincidence. He said, well, dear chap, when I pray, coincidences happen and when I don't, they don't. What about coincidence in your life? Is that just like, whoa, that's a coincidence. As I said, thank my lucky stars, you know, we are hear it. Cool, that was lucky. Fingers crossed for that. Touch wood. Touch wood. I used to have this thing like, don't tread on the cracks. Just don't tread on the cracks. Don't tread on the cracks. You might be a don't tread on the crack type of a person. If you stay like that when the wind changes, your face will stay like that. (laughs) Who's told you that? My mum used to tell me that. And I must admit, up until fairly recently, I I would probably tell my son the same. Just come out. It's like, oh, hang on. You see what I mean? It's just built in. If you're not careful, it just gets built into us. If you pull the face when the wind changes, your face will stay like that. No, it won't. Old wives' ch- tales, current day religion as well, godless myth, it's godless. Religion, man-made religion, is godless, godless. I would say that these and others, many others, are godless myth and wives' tales of our day. Superstition is often behind it, and many people follow this even in the church, of I said. Now, on the surface, you might be here saying, well, what's the harm? It's all, it's all right. it's it's, it's not that harmful, it it is. You dig underneath and it's deception. And it's things looking to lead us away from God. And things will become idols in people's lives. People give themselves to watching the stars, how their stars are going to play out. We've got to be careful of that. Verse 6, Paul says, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I want to be for you. A good minister of Christ Jesus. And I want to point these things out to you. Beware against them. Guard yourself against them. The way we do that is by elevating the truth. We don't have to go around going, let's just demolish everything. We just say, no, 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 we trust in Jesus. Jesus is our future. Jesus is our hope. He's the one that saves us. I know my my future is bright because of Jesus. Amen. Amen? I don't need to look in the back of the sun. Jesus tells me so through his word that my future is very, very bright. That's what I want to be for you, a good minister of Christ Jesus. So what do we do? How should we respond to this? I think verse 7 and 8 is our focus for the moment. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths, it's what Paul's saying, old wives' tales, but rather, have nothing to do with that, but rather do this. Rather train yourself in godliness. That's what I want to say to you, King's Church friends. Train yourself in godliness. Train yourself. For physical training is of some value. It's very good. But godliness has value above all things. Because it holds a promise. And the promise is for this life and the life to come, So Paul is saying to Timothy, have nothing to do with this, but have everything to do with this. Have nothing to do with it. That's the same for us. We need to have nothing to do with godless, silliness, crackpot ideas, dare I say it. Things that will be looking to drag us away. Instead, we fight and we have something to do with God. So with this in mind, I want to get practical for the remainder of our time. I have some hopefully easy and quick headings that I've been looking through here. When it comes to training, I was looking at this whole thing of training, like it says behind me, get training, train yourself to be godly. We need to go into training. So with this in mind, I've got a practical list. Now I've got to be careful, this is not a legalistic list. There's a fine line between law and religion and legalism and then grace. We are grace-filled people, right? We are utterly loved by God. And because of that, we do these things. Okay? So the first thing, have a plan. When it comes to training, the first thing we need to do is we need to have a plan. Before setting out on any training regime... Or any journey, if you like, an athlete would have a plan. They wouldn't just go, Oh, let's just see what happens today. Many people make plans in their jobs. Many of you here make plans in your jobs, and your families, and your friendships, and your hobbies, and your activities. But when it comes to the most important plan, your faith, and your faith worked out with God, many of us. Don't do it. We put that secondary. We say, "Well, work is so busy at the moment, or family life is just completely bonkers at the moment." So I want to ask you a question: What are, what are your plans? How, have you any plans? You might say, well, "What on earth does that mean?" Because I ask myself the same question: What, what do you want to achieve for God? What kind of vessel do you want to be for God here on this earth? What areas of your Christian life do you want to grow in? Maybe it's understanding the Bible more. Maybe it's developing a prayer life. Maybe it's studying Him more, God more. Maybe it's exercising your spiritual gifts more. Maybe it's developing your gifts more. I don't know. Whatever it is, what are you doing to pursue it? How can you make your plans a reality? Set yourself achievable goals. Now, the third thing that jumped out at me while I was preparing this, there's this guy called Joshua. And he says in Joshua, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, this was coming into the context when other idols and things were creeping in. And he was saying, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to have anything to do with all that. As for me and my home, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve the only God. Start there. Make that your plan. And from there, speak to the Lord and see what he wants you to do. As for me and my household, you and your family, if you don't have a family, as for me, I will serve the Lord. Have you made that your plan? Or do you just turn up on a Sunday and say, i just see what happens, i just kind of drift in and out because that's what I do. What is your plan? Secondly, have training buddies. Very often... When people train, athletes would have training buddies or partners. And the idea is that you train together to achieve a shared goal. That's the whole point. And those that train, as you can see, I'm an avid trainer. It's hard work, right? But the thing about having a buddy is they stay alongside and go, keep going, keep going, keep going. Also, I think of like running partners Bexhill Community Group, they've got a team, Paul Woods and others, that have, like, runners, a running club, and you see them on Facebook, and you hear them chatting, and you, you see their training regime, I've, I've looked into you guys a little bit, don't worry, I'm not following you in a weird way, <laughs> but you, you study together, you kind of say, you, you, it seems like you're hitting targets together, and you're, you're doing certain training things together, and you're running together. The Christian life has been likened to a race. And in this race, all the runners run. It's what Paul, the Apostle Paul says. And I run in such a way that will get me the prize. I don't run like a. Oh, I nearly said a girl then. I said it. <laughs> I don't run like, um, you know, my, my feet are trailing behind me. I don't, run, I don't punch the air like I'm just, uh, just punching aimlessly. No, I, I train myself. I train myself so that when I've trained myself, that's Paul's attitude. I can receive the prize. I can hit the finishing line. So important to have running buddies, training partners. Proverbs, I've referred to this so many times, it says Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, so one woman sharpens another. That's the whole purpose. You're not just two irons clanging together, you're sharpening each other. So just a, a story, my friend Dan Harwood, um, we, we set out on a journey to cycle. Some of us cycled around Bewater and others ran. I was in the cycling club. And the embarrassing thing is the runners kept up with me and they ended up overtaking me I was on my own and I got to the top of a hill and I looked around and there was no one near me. And then I saw the pub. And I genuinely went, just have a quick half, I think. <laughs> just get off the bike and literally as I got off, I, I heard a guy called Matt Beeney, who used to lead this, be a leader in this church, say, get back on your bike, Hamberis." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah." Oh. But what happened next was beautiful. My friend Dan Harwood stayed on my tail. He was running behind me. And I was uh, 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 trying to cycle. And I was, Dan, I want to stop. I want to stop. He said, see that tree? Get to that tree. I can get to that tree. I can get to that tree. I can get to that tree. When I get to the tree, I can stop. See the next tree? Get to that next tree. Do you hear what I'm saying? The whole purpose of training buddies is that you run together. Get to that next checkpoint. Lift that next weight. Run that next mile. Do that next thing for the Lord. I'm standing with you. We all need training buddies to push us, encourage us, and to strengthen us in the Lord. Throughout the New Testament, it says that Paul and others went to church after church, strengthening them. The idea is that we strengthen each other in the Lord. I've got great running buddies around me. My friend here, Brian Marriott, Fantastic running buddy. My friend here, John, that's back for the, for the week. First guy that taught me about how to speak in tongues. What it looks like. He, he helped me. He walked through this process with me. Training, training, meeting, praying, standing together. Training buddies. So I want to ask you something. Do you have training buddies? You might say, no. No, I don't what can you do to get yourself training buddies men women what can you do to get yourself training buddies as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens the other and it says in hebrews 10:24 let us let us brothers and sisters let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage each other and all the more as we see that beautiful day of the Lord Jesus approaching let's do it thirdly have a good diet so we've got to have a plan get some training buddies have a good diet Usain Bolt did not become a world class sprinter by living at McDonald's it just doesn't happen that way some say yeah he's just gifted yeah he's, he's self controlled and gifted. He ate and drank the right things. He would have had the right diet. A healthy diet keeps you focused, keeps you alert, keeps you energised, keeps you on track and keeps you responsive. That's what I've noticed, just physically. A good, healthy diet, physical diet, keeps you alert and responsive. With any physical training, it's important to have a healthy diet. And that's the same when it comes to our spiritual lives. We are... Thoroughly spiritual. We're not separate. We are holistic. We are completely spiritual. So, with our spiritual lives, we need to take on the right stuff. Now, I'm a man that loves kebabs. I love takeaway curries. And I've been known to eat the odd pot noodle or five (laughs) across my life. But if that was all I ate, I would be in great danger. I would be in danger. My body would soon disown me, I'd become physically unfit and this will affect my whole life. The same is true with your spiritual life. What you take on board will affect how you live. It just will. What you're eating, what is nourishing your spiritual soul, your spirit will come out and affect your whole life. Matthew 4.4, this is Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. He says, Man does not live on bread alone, but he lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yes. Thank you, Si. Every word. That's what we live on. Not bread alone, but on every word from God. Every word. The best thing we can eat regularly is God's word. God's truth found in the Bible. You want to know what truth is? It's all here in the Bible. Godly training is to be in the scriptures daily. And even as I say this, this is going to challenge a lot of you, as it challenges me, and it needs to keep challenging us. Daily, our faces need to be in the scriptures if we're to train well. So I want to ask you, again, some questions. What sources are you eating from, physically and spiritually? Your physical will affect your spiritual, but most importantly, spiritually, What sources are you eating from? Where are you getting your teaching? Where are you getting your truth? The latest novel or through the Gospels? Are you in the Scriptures daily? This is what I've set myself to do and it's achievable for me. I wanted to read through the Bible in a year like many people do and I found myself doing four chapters and I was like, oh my goodness, this is hard work. And it became like a religious activity. I wasn't finding joy in it. I was just kind of a tick-box exercise, right? So I thought now, my my goal for me, this is my plan, I want to know God more. That's me. I just want to know him. I want to know his goodness. I want to know his plans. And to do that, I need to spend time with him. So what I do daily is I get up before the family and I sit in my study. Very often, firstly, bleary-eyed and, oh my goodness, what time is it? dressing gown on, a cup of coffee and I open the scriptures and I work myself through one book at a time and I'm currently going through Acts and I'm reading one chapter a day and then I'm making notes. Maybe you could do that. One chapter. Maybe even start with one verse and say, God, speak to me. Teach me. Train me. See what happens in your life. There's a quote by a a guy that said, that I'm, I've heard secondhand. he said, you're not going to remember every hot meal you've he- ever had, but you know that every hot meal has done you good. Yeah? You're not going to remember what you had two years ago. Did you have chilli? Roast? But you know that every meal you've had, every healthy, hearty meal is doing you good. That's the same with this. You're not going to remember ten years ago what you read on that day but you know little by little it's doing your soul good it's doing you good man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God 2 Timothy 3.16 this is the second letter to Timothy Paul says all scripture is God breathed it's all from God, this is all from God it's without error and it's useful for us. It's good to train, to teach, to rebuke, to challenge. It's just good for us. Really good for us. And in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. Beautiful psalm. It's a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. Next point. Perseverance. When it comes to training, you need perseverance. Perseverance. Actually, before I go there, I'm jumping back. Also, when it comes to a healthy diet, it's really important that you're hungry. Have you ever eaten when you're not hungry? You kind of just feel like you should. That's not what God wants from us in our relationship with him. To just go through the motions, I should. It's good, but I feel like I should. He wants us to hunger after him. And I genuinely believe he's starting to do something in me. And that is starting, and I want to see where this journey takes me. Just this hunger after him. Hungry after the right things. Hungry after God. That I would encounter God through my life. That my family would encounter him. That we'd encounter him through our corporate times of worship. Isn't it great to hear my friend Sai say, I feel like God's done this, and then, bang, someone gets healed. We We want that more and more. So it's very important that we remain hungry as individuals, but also as a church. In Psalm 84, verse 2, it says, My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Is that you? <laughs> or are you sort of like, well, flicking between channels. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. There is something of a hunger that God wants us to be in. So are you hungry for God? I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Are you hungry for God? Because if you're not, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you cause a deep hunger to start up within us and ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray for hunger for all of us. Perseverance. James 5.11 tells us to add to your faith, perseverance. So I want to say, add to your training regime, perseverance. You cannot train without perseverance. We build up spiritual stamina and strength as we persevere. And godly training is all about perseverance. Many of you have been a Christian much longer than me and even as I say the word perseverance, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are no shortcuts. There are no quick wins. There are no quick ways. There are no cheats. It's perseverance. Who will be saved? Those that persevere till the end. Scripture teaches that. We're saved, but we're going to keep persevering till the end, till that final day. World-class athletes build up strength and stamina as they persevere by doing the right things and by doing the right things consistently. Like I said, the Christian life is a race, but moreover, it's a marathon. For some, the race ends shorter than others, but it's a marathon right up until the end. You keep running. We're not planning for retirement here, folks. We're planning to just walk straight through into eternity where we'll be receiving new bodies on a new heavens and earth. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So let's keep going until that beautiful day. Until that beautiful day. Later on in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Persevere in them. So I want to say, King's Church, friends, watch your life, watch your teaching closely and persevere in it. Keep going. Even when it feels like it's everyone's lit, keep going. Just keep going. As we persevere, we will build up strength and stamina. And this is so important. We don't persevere for nothing. We persevere so we can stand. Many of us go through trials. We will go through trials. It's a promise. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trials. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world I've done it. But to be able to persevere, you need to build up stamina and strength. Those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. Hope in Him. Put your hope in Him. What are you facing right now? Those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. And Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So what I want to ask you is, what do you need to throw off? Are there areas of your life that you just need to say, that is no good for me? These lies are no good for me. Take them captive. Make them obedient to Christ. Is there sin that you have to say, do you know what? Get out. Keep going, friends. Keep going. There's a beautiful day coming. Keep going. Fifthly, before we get into the application, a good rest. <laughs> I felt this was almost like a compromise. We, we keep charging forward, but we need to rest. They can be intention. It's okay. We persevere, but we also rest. We need to be good resters, good resters. The way we will grow, to, grow closer to the Lord and stronger in our faith is through rest, having good times of rest built into our lives. Now, I feel this is something that the Lord's disciplining me over over this last year, and it came through a, a word my friend Brian brought to me while we were out in the states. A very challenging word, but it kind of got me to the core. Of who I am. Brian just said to me, You seem stressed and driven and like a tiger just bouncing all over the place. I feel like the Lord wants you to rest. Yeah, what do you know? That was my response. And I felt the Lord quickly just humble yourself, wind your neck in, pal. What your brother is bringing is a rebuke that's going to do you good. And I just feel the, God, the Lord washing this over me more and more. I, I want to achieve, I want to, I want to do well, I want to do this. And God just keeps saying, come, come, son, son, come and rest as a son at my feet. Come and be with Father. This will help avoid burnout, drivenness, stress, exhaustion. Now what I understand from people that train, particularly with weights, is after a rigorous training regime, a lot of R's in that, you need to rest. That's what my friends tell me. After you've pumped that iron, you need to rest those muscles so they recover and so they actually grow. So if you are going 100 miles an hour every single day physically, you are going to burn out. Are you resting? Are you rested? We need both physical and spiritual. Sometimes we can super spiritualize our lives. We say, I'm just so driven, I'm just so stressed, and da, 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 And then you tell me, I'm going to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting up at 5, going to McDonald's, and I'm like, go to bed early. That's what I need to be told. If I come to you and I say I'm stressed, ask me firstly, what time are you going to bed? If I tell you 2 o'clock in the morning, challenge me on that. Sometimes we super spiritualize it and all we need to do is rest. Spiritually, as we rest physically, God will refresh us spiritually. That's what happens. That's kind of what he does. God wants our bodies rested so we're more effective for him. In Psalm 62 it says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest alone in God alone. The best place we can serve God from is a place of rest. Rested soul. That you're accepted, you're loved, forgiven. And we're much more effective for him as we do that. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I feel some of you need to hear that. You who are burdened and heavy laden, come to Jesus, because you will find rest for your soul, because the thing that he puts over you will be easy and light, and you'll be able to flow much freer. Come to Jesus this morning and find rest for your soul. I want to ask you a few more questions before the application what about you? Are you resting? Are you resting? Physically, are you resting? Or are you charging around like a like tiger all over the place without resting? Are you setting aside Sabbath rest where you can rest physically? What about your soul? Is your soul rested in God? Or are you just anxious and all over the place? Be at rest once more, oh my soul, David says. For the Lord has been good to you. Be at rest. Be at rest once more. For God has been good to you. Okay, for godly training, I've said these things are important. Have a plan, set some goals, have people to train with, have a good diet, regularly feeding on the word of God, continue in perseverance and make sure you're getting good rest, physically and spiritually. This is our application. It's all about having an end goal. I want you to see those words, end goal. All this training is for a purpose. It's all for a far greater purpose, that we would reap results and benefits. This testing, this training, this perseverance, will affect our lives now, and it will affect our lives to come, speaking of eternity. Coming back to 1 Timothy, chapter 4, 8 to 10, says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value over all things. Listen to this. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that, and for this we labour and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God who is the saviour of all men, and especially for those who believe. I'm going to break this up. This is the application. Our training holds promise now, and promise for the life to come. As a Christian, you are now into eternity with God. That's the beautiful promise. (laughs) It's great news that you're going to walk. Our lives are just like a, a scratch on the rest of the globe in comparison with the future of glory. Promise for this life. We can know him now. We can experience him now. We can be healed by him now. We can be saved by Jesus now. Now. We can receive all of his goodness now. Now promise for the life to come, future glory, that we would know God forever. Man, we're getting grayer. We're wearing away. Did you hear what I said? We can know God forever. We can be healed forever. We can be saved, and we will be saved forever. We will experience joy, unending forever, Forever, we will be saved and healed forever. That's what this training is all about. That's the future. I was going to read something from Revelation, but look at it in your own time. Revelation 21 talks about a new heaven and new earth coming down. That is our future. Eternity with God. The end goal makes the training and the hard work all worthwhile. So here's some questions. Do you ever think of eternity? Do you yourself think of eternity? Or do you just live in the here and now? We need to get broader vision. We are into eternity. Jesus planned for the now. When he came, he healed people, but he planned for the future. See where I'm going? The whole of Jesus' ministry was a kingdom crashing in on earth, and a kingdom advancing, and a kingdom that would one day completely come. Yeah? The kingdom is here now, and the kingdom is coming. An eternal kingdom. And what Jesus achieved on the cross, for us, seals our future. Hallelujah. There was an end in his sights. It says in Hebrews, for the joy set before Jesus, he scorned the cross, He went to the cross for the joy set before him, scorning the cross. And he's now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The point of the training is to be like Jesus, that ultimately one day we would be with Jesus. I'm going to read this as we close. Timothy, chapter 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. For I, this is the end of Paul's life, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day and not only for me but also for all who longed for his appearing that's how we need to be we need to be like Paul having the finishing line in our sights, but dealing with the here and now, that one day we are training well, so we run well, that one day we will finish well. Can we stand together as we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I just want us to be still just for a few moments. as we welcome the Holy Spirit, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you this morning with what I've shared with you. I pray that God would change you. God, I pray, would you do whatever you need to do among your people today. For those that know you, I pray, would you change them to be more like you. For those that don't know you here today, I pray, would there be something of you in this that makes them say, I want to know you more. I want to know you from today. But just as we're still for a few moments, let the Holy Spirit speak. Why don't you just pray yourself, maybe? Just say, God, come and speak to me. Come and speak to me. Come and lead me. Just take a a moment to do that. Oh, God, would you speak? Oh, God, would you speak? Oh, God, would you speak? Give him your wants, give him your desires, give him your hurts and pains, give him your joys, give him everything and ask him to speak to you. Maybe that's your cry today. I just want to be more hungry for you. I've drifted away a little bit. I just want to be more hungry for you. And just just come. Just come after God. Seek after him. I just pray, do us good by your word today, Lord. Empower us by your spirit. Would we have one eye on the here and now, and one eye on the future glory. Eternity with you. What a beautiful day that will be. Do us good, we pray. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. see many of you this evening at the prayer meeting. And if you're here visiting, do stay behind for a coffee afterwards. But have a great rest of the day and see you next week.